Revelation chapter 5 now and verse 1. But before I do that, I want to uh, I want to look back and, and remind us what this whole thing is about. So I want to go back to the Revelation 1 and the very first verse, Revelation 1.1. 1, 1. The unveiling of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show his bond slaves what things are necessary to take place in quickness, in rapidity. Okay. The unveiling of Jesus Christ is a gift from the Father. God gave him this so that his bond slaves, his church, us, could see what necessarily will take place. With each, with each text that we read and with each context that passes, we see, the, we, we have an expanding idea or knowledge teaching we have we have an expanding understanding of the greatness of the Christ of God everything that we've looked at so far in the first four chapters of the revelation uh, has been an unfolding and an expanding and a deepening of revealing to us the authority, the power, the dignity of, of God the Son, Jesus Christ. So this is God's gift, and we're continuing. Okay, now, at the end of that verse 1, it says, uh, to show his bond slaves what things are necessary to take place in rapidity. In other words, when they start happening, they start happening rapidly. It's not that they're going to happen quickly after this letter is written, but that when they start, man, they'll just come like this, one after the other, and they'll be they'll be accomplished quickly. Okay. So then here, uh, we have to we have to see how powerful Christ is and the power and authority are just constantly revealed and expanded as we go through the revelation because where this is taking us is to the consummation of time as we understand it. It is carrying us to the close of human history, the end of the times of the nations or the, or the Gentiles, and the beginning of the thousand-year reign and the, the thousand-year reign, the thousand-year kingdom on planet Earth the closure of that kingdom, the final rebellion against God at the close of those thousand years, and the destruction of the entire universe in judgment, the expulsion out of Hades, out of the nether world of the unsaved dead, their, their souls, their spirits are spewed out of Hades where they're kept until the time of their final judgment, which is the last or the second resurrection the resurrection unto damnation. And uh, at that point, at that point then, 
uh, the great white throne is set up, and when the great white throne is set up, everything everything melts. It, it all it flies away from the presence of the great white throne. Is then there's this judgment of the unsaved dead, the consignment to the lake of fire of of all of the unsaved dead of of the human race and of the fallen angels uh, and of of the dragon himself and the antichrist and the false prophet will have already been there for a thousand for a thousand years so so there the, the antichrist and the false prophet are the first ones thrown into the lake of fire at the at the close of the Arm, of the battle of armageddon but at the beginning of the of the uh, millennial kingdom and and then at the end of it is this and after the end of it is this final consummation and then the new heaven and new earth now that takes a great deal of authority and power good heavens to to bring everything to a close, everything in the physical and spiritual realm, realm universe-wide, universal, universally, everything is brought to a close, and everything is judged according to the eternal divine standard. So it is, it is by the standard of God we are judged as being righteous and thus qualified by God himself to enter into this kingdom and eternity, or we're disqualified by the word and standard of God and thus cast finally into the lake of fire to be tormented eternally. Uh, Now, to bring all of everything to a close requires absolute authority and absolute power. No one can make an appeal beyond the final judgment. Nobody, nobody can appeal beyond that. Nobody can fight getting thrown into the lake of fire, not even the dragon, not even the old serpent, Satan himself. None are powerful enough to, to stay their execution. There's not, nothing that anybody can do. Now, that requires ultimate power, ultimate, absolute power. So as we go through the Revelation, we are seen in an increasing fashion how this power and this authority are vested into the person of God the Son, none other than Jesus. And this is the unveiling. This is the revelation of who he is. So we can't lose sight of the fact that the church is being taught about the the almighty power and the deity of Christ, who became a man in the person of Jesus of Nazareth, that he might die for our sins Uh, and then be resurrected uh, for our justification and ascended into heaven that he might keep us as as the high priest and be established, of course, as the king of kings and lord of lords, the king priest, and then to come back in absolute power as the king of kings uh, to complete all of the promises made uh, to Abraham and his seed in the thousand-year reign. uh, And then, of course... Uh, what we call the eternal state, but uh, it's the new heaven and uh, the new earth at that point. So we're learning about his power. To learn about his power and his person, we also learn about his wrath and how he, at the close of the age, judges the world according to his standard by his wrath. So this is, this is where we pick up then uh, the Revelation chapter 4 
uh, takes us to the throne room, and we've seen the 24 elders and the four living ones and, and the, the magnificent description of the display of power and wrathful fury, the fury of his wrath, as it's beginning to unfold, those lightnings and thunderings and flashes and the fiery sevenfold flash of the, of the fiery Holy Spirit and all these things about to be discharged onto planet Earth and the Earth dwellers who are there, except for those uh, who are saved and sealed by God Almighty. They're, we call them the tribulation saints. For the most part, probably it'll be the nation of Israel, but they're also Gentiles included in that number. And we'll see that as we go through the time of the tribulation and the, the actual time of the tribulation, the events of the tribulation begin for us in the Revelation. They begin in the Revelation chapter 6. So the Revelation 4 and the Revelation 5 are preparing us and, and showing us the one who is then going to be executing this judgment uh, on, on the world. Now, that, that brings us, let me, let me look at the Revelation 5 here and verse 1. Now, remember, the last time we were together, we saw, we saw the Christ of God, God the Son, the second of the Trinity. We saw Christ, who is, of course, Jesus. We saw the Christ of God enthroned in heaven and the glorious beauty and display of power that was about his throne and those who serve him and the, and the representatives of the saved who have just been caught up out of the world, those uh, 24 elders, and these very powerful angelic beings who are the cherubim who are described uh, perhaps more completely by Ezekiel, uh, so we saw all of that, and all of this is gathered now. Now we've come to the revelation here in chapter 5, and let's catch a glimpse here of verse 1. We're not going to get past verse 1 because there's some background that I want us to go back to after we look at this verse and then come back to the verse again at the end of this discussion here. And I saw, now that's very active, uh, in, the, in, the, the, uh, in the Greek text, Idon, it says Kaidon, and I saw aorist active means it's like a snapshot. It's it's like a it's like a picture that flashed, and it never changes. This is something that's just always there, but it's in the active, uh, which means the subject is doing the action, performing the action, and the subject is is uh, of course the one the one who sees, and then the one who is sitting. Is, is, is the Almighty, the one we've already been introduced to. And I saw, so he's active. John is present. He's, he's actively viewing. This is something that he is part of. He's right there. And I saw on the right hand of the one sitting upon the throne a scroll. Having been written inside and on the back, having been sealed with seven seals. Now, first of all, I want to go back to Daniel. Daniel has the same vision uh, that uh, when, it, when it comes to the apocalyptic events, Daniel has the same vision. He has, he has his way of describing it. Um, and living in the era before Christ, 
Now, the, the Apostle John on the Isle of Patmos, of course, lived with Christ, saw the ascension of Christ, and uh, is, is, is qualified in his way as an apostle uh, to describe the events that he sees in the Revelation and to write down what he's told to write down in the Revelation. Daniel is on the other side of, of the, of the uh, virgin birth and, and, and ministry and life of Christ and ascension and so forth. So he has his way of seeing it as well. And in Daniel 10, I'm just going to skim over this. I could really get bogged down if I'm not careful. In year three of Cyrus, king of Persia, message was uh, revealed, uncovered. Uh, let's see. Nikla. Uh, it's uh, it's similar to apocalypsis in similar similar word, but this message, not the not the revealing of the Christ, but the revealing of the message to Daniel, it was unveiled to him, whose name was called Belteshazzar. That was his Babylonian name, Daniel's name. And the message was true, but the appointed time was long, or it's 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 not something that's going to happen right then. He knows when he sees this that it's going to be a long time for this prophecy to be a, to be accomplished completely. In those days, uh, well, let me make oh, I don't think I finished that phrase. And he understood the message and had an understanding of uh, the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was um, lamenting. I was mourning. I was grieving. I was lamenting three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food. Uh, nor meat no wine came into my mouth at all, nor at all nor at all did I anoint myself till three weeks till three whole weeks three complete weeks I mean three whole weeks were completed and on the 24th day of the, of the first month and as I was by the side of the river, the great river, it is the Tigris. And I lifted up my and I lifted my eyes and looked and behold a man clothed in linen. All right, now let's listen to this because if you think of what was seen in uh, the Revelation four, well, also in, in the Revelation one, we're, we're going to we're going to hear something similar here. I saw a look a man clothed in linen and whose waist was uh, girded it was bound with gold of Uphaz now that was the purest kind of gold known in Daniel's day so it would be the brightest most glistening uh, kind of gold that existed and his body was like uh, beryl, beryl. That's a that's a glistening yellow tint of a of a precious stone. His face like the appearance of lightning. His eyes like torches of fire. His arms and feet like um, kalal, like uh, polished bronze in color. And the sound of his words like the voice of a multitude. And I, Daniel, saw, and I, Daniel, alone, 
And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. Uh, For the men who were with me did not see the vision. But a great terror fell on them, upon them, and they so they fled to hide themselves. Therefore, I was left alone. And when I saw this great vision, and no strength remained in me, for my my vigor, my strength was turned in me to uh, ruin or to weakness, frailty to weakness, and I retained no strength. So what, when he saw this person, this glorious person, he didn't have any strength. Uh, he, he just couldn't handle himself. He didn't have any strength. And yet I heard the sound of his words. And while I heard the sound of his words, I was in a deep sleep on my face and with my face to the ground. And suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. So he has collapsed down that far. He was on his all fours and he's trembling. He's weak and his strength is gone. And obviously the hand that touches him is uh, is the angel. It's Gabriel. Uh, and he said to me, Daniel, man, gr- man of great, man who is greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand uh, and stand Upright, for now I have been sent to you. And while he was speaking to me, this word, I stood trembling. And he said to me, do, do not fear, Daniel. For from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. But the prince of the... Now, this is an important spiritual thing, and it even is relevant to you and me right now, and I'll explain why when we look at it. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. Daniel's vision is a vision of the end of the age. Now, the world doesn't want us, doesn't want to believe and doesn't want us to sound the message that we can read the Word of God and we can know how everything's going to end and that it's out of our control. Man cannot control his destiny. This is in the hand of God. And God has already written it in His Word. And so, this strong demon, the prince of the kingdom of Persia, and every nation, every kingdom has its has its spiritual its evil spiritual hierarchy. And in this case, Gabriel, who is called an angel of the presence, a presence angel who comes from before the presence of the Lord, he, he has a trumpet. He's not prepared to fight this demon, this this fallen angel. So he doesn't, this fallen angel doesn't want Daniel, the man of God, to have it revealed to him how everything's going to end. The world doesn't, the, the devil doesn't want the world to know how everything's going to end. So he sends this very strong lieutenant of his, and he withstood uh, Gabriel for 21 days. And look, Michael, one of the chief princes, 
came to help me. Michael's a tough guy. He's the archangel. Uh, he's always good for a fight, and he, he, he don't lose fights. Came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now I have, Gabriel continues, now I've come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days. Now, uh, in the latter, uh, this is the uttermost end. Now, it's, it can be said that after the day of Pentecost, we're living in these last days because the age of the church brings a consummation and it speeds us then to the tribulation. Or one could say that, that the 70th week, which here is being described, is not just the last days, but it is the last, last days. And that's what it means here in the Hebrew. In the uttermost absolute last days. Uh, you, you don't have any day. There are no days beyond these. So he's talking about the he's talking about the 70th Shabbat. He's talking about the 70th seven year period. That's what he's talking about. Those are the uttermost, hindermost, last most days. There are no days beyond those. And so it's a, it's an era of seven years. So I'll kind of make you understand what happened to your people in those latter days, the, the tribulation, those seven years. Uh, for yet the vision refers to many days to come. So he's saying it's going to be a long time before this happens. When he spoke of these words to me, I turned uh, my face down, uh, toward the ground and became speechless. And suddenly one having the likeness of the sons of men touched on my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke and saying to him who stood before me, Adonai, Adonai. Now that's, that, that is a word that references God, but here he just, you know, my Lord. Um, because of the vision my sorrows have overwhelmed me and I have restrained I am sorry I have retained no strength for how can how can I talk this with how can I, the servant of my Lord, talk this with my Lord? As, as for me now, no, uh, no strength remains in me and no breath is left in me. And again, the one having the likeness of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, fear not, Man greatly beloved. Peace be to you and be strong. Yes, be strong. So when he spoke to me, I was strengthened. And I said, let my Lord speak for you have strengthened me. And he said, do you know why I've come to you? Now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And indeed, when I've gone forth, the prince of Greece will come. 
But I will tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. And no one upholds me against these except for Michael, your prince. Can you see what Gabriel is saying? I've come to tell you and to reveal to you the last seven years, the tribulation. And he says, now those last, those latter days, those last seven years won't come for a long time. And I am being, I'm being attacked by the prince of Persia. And after that, now after the Persians, and the Persians are going to have several hundred years of, of rulership in the world, but then after they fall, they'll fall to the Greeks. When he says, after, after the prince of Persia, the prince of Greece will come. Now here's what that tells me. That tells me that every Gentile kingdom fights against the truth of the ultimate victory and the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies regarding the nation of Israel. Isn't it interesting that the church, Christians, and the nation of Israel come under such attack and always have all the way through history? Okay, so he's going to have revealed all of these things to him that are going to happen and, and the whys and wherefores of, uh, of these events. So what we learn as believers of absolute truth of the scripture is that God has always had a plan and this world is moving irrevocably toward the fulfillment of God's plan and purpose and that Israel will indeed be saved and Israel will have her land and uh, the Christ of God will rule and reign as King of Kings from Jerusalem. That's why we're told to pray for the peace of Jerusalem in the Psalms. You pray for the peace of Jerusalem because when at last there's peace in Jerusalem, that means that Messiah is enthroned there. There is no peace in Jerusalem right now. They're even talking about the times of the Gentiles. The Gentiles keep talking about what to do with Jerusalem until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. So, he says, this is the truth in Scripture, and no one is going to be able to help me against in this spiritual battle except Michael, your prince. Now, I want to go from there to Daniel 12, and then we're going to close again with Revelation four, uh, 5 and verse 1, because this whole thing has to do with that verse 1 in the Revelation chapter 5. So, let me skip over to Daniel uh, chap chapter 12. And at that time, Michael the great prince will stand up who stands watch over the sons of your people. Now that's Israel. Michael watches over them. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. Even to that time, and at that time, your people shall be delivered. Your people shall be shall escape. They'll be rescued. Shall shall be yimalet. Uh, shall be rescued. Shall be delivered. Um, everyone who is found written in the book. Ooh, that's the book of life. And many of those. Now we're about to have we're about to have the close of the first resurrection 
which happens at the end of the tribulation with the resurrection of Old Testament saints. And here it is in, in this part of Daniel continuing. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, these to life everlasting, and these to shame and everlasting contempt. So he sees the separation between two resurrections. But the one who, res who, are, resur who are resurrected to everlasting life, of course, are in the first res that part of the first resurrection that actually began with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And like the brightness of the firmament. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Now here's the point right here in this next section. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall... Now this is a, this is a phrase that you see a lot in the Old Testament. Uh, and it is, it, is, it is the phrase... Yes, it's too, it, it, it's translated, shall run to and fro. You see that, and what it means is, it means that they're, when they do that, they are seeking information. They're looking everywhere for information that will lead them to the truth. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. They will find what they're looking for. And I, Daniel, uh, and I, Daniel, looked, and there stood two others, one on this bank of the river and one on that bank of the river. And one said to the um, and one said to the man clothed in linen, who was on a, who was above the waters of the river. Until when shall the fulfillment of these wonders be? When's this going to happen? So one on this side says to one on that side, when's all this going to happen? And I heard the man clothed in linen. Now that's, that's the Christ. That's the one we saw. That's the one we saw in Revelation 4. Who, uh, who was above the waters of the river. When he held up his right hand, his left hand, swore to heaven him who lives forever, should be for a time, time. He says it's going to be for three and a half years. And uh, when the power of the people has been shattered completely, the holy people, all these things should be finished. And that's Israel. So the last half of the tribulation, which is time, times, and half a time, time, times, that's two plus one is three, and half time, that's three and a half, three and a half years. Uh, all these things will be completed. Uh, and I said, my Lord, I, I did not understand what shall be the end of these things. And he said, go your way, Daniel. For the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Many shall be, made, many shall be purified and made white and refined. Uh, and the wicked shall do wickedly and none shall understand all the... All the wicked shall, none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. So here's the deal. Only the people of God understand the times we live in. The world is spiritually dead and therefore cannot understand spiritual things. So the wise understand, those who are not wise, don't, the wicked won't understand. 
And from the time that the daily sacrifice is taken away and the abomination of desolation is set up, that's when the Antichrist sets himself up in the temple that will be built in the tribulation. Uh, there should be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and comes uh, to the 1,300, uh, let's see, to the days 1,335. I'll talk about that in just a second. But you go your way to the end, for you shall rest and will arise to your inheritance at the end of the days. Okay, so, now, those days, the mention of those various days includes the, tri includes the last half of the tribulation, but it also adds days that will include the days for the judgment of the nations, those who are alive at the coming of Christ at, at, the, at the end of the uh, tribulation, beginning of the millennial kingdom. That's Matthew 25, the sheep and the goats. So it allows for time there, and then it allows for time for the establishment of the kingdom on planet Earth. So, all right, Daniel sees this stuff. The devils of hell don't want people to understand it. The devils of hell don't want God's people to read this and believe it and know that God is so powerful, that Jesus Christ is so powerful, that he can direct humanity all the way to its appointed end and nothing can stop it. The, the devil doesn't want people to know that. And, uh, and God says, you know, there won't be any understanding. There's no need for anybody to worry about this or think about it until the time of the end. So Daniel, just seal this up. Now that brings us to this chapter 5, again in verse 1. And I saw on the right hand of the one sitting upon the throne a scroll, having been written inside and on the back, and having been sealed with seven seals. Okay. In the hand, in the palm of Jesus Christ on the throne. Well, first of all, the one on the throne is the only one who can assume power or exercise power to bring history to its appointed close. We think we're in a world, and it seems we are in a world spinning out of control. But actually... It's, it's headed just like the Bible said it would be headed. And then the only one who can bring an end to it, the only one who is worthy to take this scroll and to break the seals is none other than the Lamb of God. We're going to see that later. I'm not going to get to it tonight. But I had to, I had to set this up with the book of Daniel. So this, the, 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 the truth of what we're going to see in the Revelation this scroll hasn't been unsealed until now. Now, this is still future for us, but John says, I saw it. I was there. So he is transported in time, and he sees these things. And so here's the scene. You got the throne of God. You have the cherubim, the, the living ones. You have the 24 elders uh, on the 24 thrones. You have this beautiful crystal platform uh, there, the diamond and ruby glory of of the Christ of God that shines through bursts all around surrounded by a sparkling emerald rainbow lightning and thunder that is God's lightning and God's thunder not like what we know about lightning and thunder um, and the Holy Spirit with a sevenfold fire 
that is coming forth from him, a fire of glory, the, 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 the hosts of heaven, and then the redeemed church. All of us are there to see this wonderful action and to enjoin this, this magnanimous praise of Almighty God because now he postures himself and readies himself to stand up and say, man's day is over, it is the day of the Lord. So, he is about to set fire to the world, literally. And the tribulation is about to break loose because he has this scroll. And now that was sealed and Daniel said you can't Daniel said told he said you know what's going to happen but you, I'm not going to let you I'm not going to you're going to have to seal it up this is for the end this is for the absolute end of days so he visibly sees God on the throne he sees him in a human form this has to be the Christ of God and he has this palm, and in that palm is this scroll. Okay, I'm going to end with a description of what this scroll is because we can get the description of it in the Old Testament. It could, it could be any one of a number of things, but in the context of what we see and what we know, here's what it is. It is the title deed to planet Earth and to the universe, but specifically to planet Earth. Someone has, some, someone, an enemy has come in and has tried to steal the title of planet Earth. Well, he doesn't even have the deed. He's never had the deed. He's duped a lot of people into thinking that he owned this place, but he has never duped the Son of God. And the Son of God has always declared in his word that there's, as old R.G. Lee used to preach, there's payday Sunday. And it's written on his calendar, and I think he's very close. So it's the title deed of the earth. The earth, the universe, came under the fall, came under the, the fall of man and, and became captive to sin and, and in a lot of ways to the old devil. But God has this title deed in his possession. God wrote the deed. God created the place that's described in the deed. So it's his, it's his rightful claim to it, and now the time has come. I'm tired of fooling with you, you old dragon. I've come to get what's mine. And all those people who are down there who don't want me to have it, well, they're in for a hard time, unlike anything that the world has ever seen. And so the judgments will begin to fall out. So this is a title deed, and it's sealed with seven seals. And this is the way they, as a matter of fact, this is the way they did a Roman last will and testament in Rome. They would take the parchment, and they would roll it up a little bit, seal it with the wax and the official seal, roll it up more, do that seven times until finally the final, the final fold of the partridge of the parchment was sealed with the wax and stamped with the official seal. Well, this is a seal of God. And nobody in heaven, we're going to read this. I'll get a little bit ahead of myself. Nobody in heaven, on earth, under the earth has the power or the authority to break that seal open and to pay the price to get the land back. And it's written on both sides. It says, it says so here. On one side is described what was lost. 
and on the other on the other side is described what the terms are to get it back. That goes back to the day of Jubilee. Uh, the Israelites always had their possession in the land of Canaan, in the promised land. But somebody along the way, a grandson, a great-grandson, somebody along the way could have fooled away his claim to the land. And so he would have to give that land over to the person who paid him out of his troubles. And the title deed would have on one side the description of the land that really belonged to the one who had lost it and the terms on how he had lost it and what would have to be done to redeem it. And then on the year of Jubilee, it didn't matter. On the year of Jubilee, all the land went back and there were no more debts. All the debts were paid and, and those title deeds went back to the families that owned them in the first place. Well, this is very similar to that. So this unrolling of the scroll that we're going to see beginning next time uh, is the description of how the Lord takes back his possession, that which is his. This scroll, it's in his hand. He's, it's his he wrote it, he made it, he wrote it, it's his, and now he's tired of these people down there thinking that they own it in the day of man. Man's day is over. Now it's the Lord's day, the day of the Lord. So it gets better from there, I'll tell you, and we'll pick it up there next time, so let's pray. Father, how we love you, God. We pray for your help in these last days for your church. We long for the catching away of your bride. And we look through the lenses of Scripture and we understand what's going on because you've taught us in your word. And so, Father, strengthen us to sound out the gospel message to all who will hear. And we know that God will call those who are his own to himself. And let us be busy in these final hours and days of this world to preach the gospel message that at last the final one of us will come in and be saved and then we'll be caught up into your presence knowing that this tribulation will fall and that your glory will be on display even in judgment. Bless our nation today, God. Use Shiloh for your glory. Bless Shiloh. Keep us from sickness and harm. And give to us the direction, strength, and resources that we need to disciple others, telling them more and more of Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. All right. We're over. We're done. Thank you.